Hey everyone, welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Delano Soporu. Thank you for tuning in to episode 103. Make sure wherever you're tuning in, wherever you're listening, five-star rate, subscribe, and review the podcast. This week, we'll talk about what's the news. We'll talk about our market update. We'll also talk about question of the week and hopefully round out the podcast with a personal update. As always, folks, we thank you for listening on this wonderful day, this Thursday when I'm recording, and hope you enjoy the show. We are back with the much-anticipated market update and what's in the news. Uh, as we sit here today, this it's a little bit changed throughout the day. We're actually in the green, and now we've gotten into the red for most of the major indexes. I think the Dow is a little bit above uh, flat right now. And there's been some strong earnings reports as far as Delta came out, posted a beat on profit and revenue. Uh, we're seeing, you know, the home builder KB Homes rallied more than 10% after strong earnings. So now we're getting into earnings season, which is going to combat some of the stuff we've seen. The Fed has been more hawkish, talking about raising rates um, and actually shrinking the balance sheet. Um, so there has been a lot of talks about what's going to happen with tech stocks and different things, long-term play for, for most younger individuals. And so really we're getting to earnings season, which is going to be really, really crucial to see one, how companies performed and two management's expectations, uh, for the next several months of the year, which is going to play a lot into how prices, uh, and stocks perform over the next several, several weeks. So. We're actually seeing the 10-year move move up as expected. So the 10-year is up to 1.73%, um, hovering around that 2% range. Um, and we're going to see a lot of, of more, a lot more volatility, I would say, just in general in the market, because um, we've had boom and burst times over the last couple of years. So big things we're watching. Crypto market actually, I think, found a bottom as well um, and is starting to creep up. So that's another thing to watch in the news. Speaking of crypto, you're seeing Kim K, Floyd Mayweather, and other celebs are being sued over promotion of altcoin Ethereum Max. It's allegedly a part of a crypto scam. The mysterious coin debuted in May, claiming to bridge the gap between community-driven tokens and legacy crypto, but they didn't provide any details. They just got Kim Kardashian and Floyd to pump the, the coin. Uh, has a misleading, misleading name because it has nothing to do with Ether, the second largest cryptocurrency after Bitcoin. Um, and Ethereum Max has crashed 98% since June, which has led to his allegations as a pump and dump scheme. Insiders selling everything after hyping the coin um, and misleading advertising, too. You have someone like Kim K and Floyd who have lots of followers pumping some coin. I mean, every you know idiot out there is going to go buy the coin, and I'm sure that's what idiots did. Um, and that's why I always tell people to stop following these headlines or going based off of some pump and dump. And you're seeing more examples of people not knowing what they're doing and, and just falling into something that someone else posted, uh, which is just, you know, terms it's going to hurt you in, in, in general. And that's what you're seeing. So it's interesting to see what happens with that. Um, um, they must have got paid a large bag to promote this scam coin and whoever the people behind it are. And, definitely um, have gotten away with some stuff. So you have to be, people have to be careful. Um, and that's what I've always preached. Um, more crypto news, Gemini is actually buying BitIRA. So they're buying BitIRA, which is a, um, BitIRA is a San Francisco-based startup whose tools help advisors manage holdings of Bitcoins and other tokens. 
um, and I actually use BitIRA blockchain for my clients. When I saw the news today, I thought that was interesting. It's not going to change the way things are done. It's actually going to enhance it because uh, it's going to be on you know a platform that has a lot more resources. So there's going to be a lot of um, mergers and different things happening in the crypto space because there's a lot of new companies starting. Some of them have been started for a while. And they're now starting to use the resources and being gobbled up by larger crypto platforms. So you're definitely going to see a lot more of this. Um, and it's interesting to see that. So that's a pretty, pretty interesting news on that side of things. Key stat today. So interesting stat about podcasts. The 10 most popular podcasts in the U.S. are on average more than seven years old. And none of them have made their debut in the past couple of years. That's an interesting stat. I think if you think about why that is to, to be consistent and to grow content, it's funny, I was actually doing a workshop uh, this past week and just talking about content. You know, consistency is a big thing. And to be consistent and to grow an audience and do all those sort of things, you have to be consistent and have been doing it for a while. Um, and that's why you're seeing um, you know, the po podcast have been around seven plus years, have the largest following and to be the most popular. So it's a really interesting and whatever you're doing, try to be more consistent with it. That's a, a goes for all of us. Um, IPO news, car sharing, uh, platform Turo files for an IPO with plans to accelerate, uh, the 230 billion mobility revolution, Airbnb on wheels. So Turo is that platform. That's a car sharing platform. It's about to go public. So unlike Avis owns Zipcar and competitors that own shared cars, Turo lets private car owners rent out their Porsches and pickups and then take cuts from both owners and renters, um, which is really, really interesting. Um, and you know, right now it's boasting 85,000 hosts, 160,000 cars, and 1.3 million users, the US, UK, and Canada. It plans to allocate 5% of its shares to owners and renters. Um, Turo revenue tripled in the first three quarters of last year. I think a lot of that's based on the fact that there is a lot more sharing and, and you know less usage of owning assets and going on, but obviously people are still buying. So car home, car owners are households spend in the last, you know. And the la at least, according to Tor, at least U.S. households spend on average 11K on getting the ground, mostly with personal cars. But it's price, they, but they say it's twice as pricey to own a mid-sized car as it is to rent one. Um, as U.S. auto shares uh, prices are rising, which is true, we're seeing a lot of rising in even used cars. The floor in the used car market and the new car market has risen considerably. Um, interesting, they actually teamed up. With rapper Two Chains in a promotion to win over younger drivers, of course, if you want to bring the young folks, find a popular rapper. Um, that makes a lot of sense. So, in more business news and merger and acquisition news, Planet Fitness is buying one of its largest franchisee owners, Sunshine Fitness, for eight hundred million. Eight hundred million. And last quarter, the sales and memberships at Planet Fitness hit a record high as Americans prioritize physical and mental health. I think Planet Fitness has done a great job um, as one, continue to gain ownership, increase ownership, um, as well as to sustain what they had through the pandemic. And a lot of that's been done through some of their tactics. Obviously, they have a lower membership fee and discounts about all those sort of things, and they're riding that wave. Um, so it's been it's interesting to watch what they're doing now. They're gobbling up the largest franchisee for eight hundred million. Interesting. What do people think about the franchise business model? Um, it's a hard, hard model, but could be lucrative, as shown by that um, exit for Sunshine Fitness. There's been all M and A news. So much M and A news this week. There is more. The Grand Theft Automaker Take-Two is buying Zynga for $12.7 billion 
because of mobile gaming boom going on. Um, Take-Two said it's going to buy Zynga shares for a 64% premium to their Friday price, and Zynga shares soared on that news. Um, And it's really interesting that now Zynga is buying, or excuse me, Take-Two is buying Zynga, which made a hit app called Farmville, which is super popular. Also, Words with Friends was super popular, and CSR Racing. Uh, I don't even play mobile video games anymore. Do people still do that? Um, I do not play mobile games. I'd rather get on the PS5 and see it on the big screen, but it seems to be still a hot thing. I remember the first time Zynga and Farmville and, you know, Words with Friends, which I actually played back in the day, came out. It was such an addiction. Um, Consumers are now spend more on mobile games than on console and PC games combined. So actually people are doing it. Zynga made money through its in-game buying biz tokens. We talked about that intersection between in-game and augmented reality and gaming and like tokens and crypto, where that's going to go. Maybe take to interactive sees a play there until they gobble them up. This is interesting. This is really, really interesting. We'll keep our eyes on that. And more news. There is now, there is now for the first time, sports fans can be excited because gambling, sports gambling has come to New York, um, which is really interesting. Uh, for the first time, you know, New York City sports fans have something to excited about. Four mobile sports betting operators, including FanDuel and DraftKings, went live in New York on Saturday morning, and five more are set to be approved on the line. This is big with the NFL postseason starting and Super Bowl weekend starting. There's a lot of betting that goes into play. The industry can bring in as much as $500 million in annual tax revenue for New York. That's probably a big reason why they said, all right, why are we fighting this? Let's let people be who they are. Um, and it's been paved by the Supreme Court decision in 2019 paving the way for legal sports betting. Um, and so now we're seeing a lot of states adopt it. Uh, bigger picture is it's going to be a lot more gaming and betting all over the country. So I think this is making sense. But New York's move, it's, it's really, I think, a tax revenue move. Because New Jersey was open, I believe, for a while. And so they had to not lose all that tax revenue and, and actually open it up. So that's the big play there. So so much in news, a lot of M&A news, um, a lot of IPO news. Uh, we'll keep you abreast. But now let's move to the question of the week. Question of the week, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right into it. The listener says, my sister's husband died last week. They'd both lived with us for previous nine years before moving into an independent living facility. They were there for two and a half months before he died unexpectedly. He has left her with over 20,000 worth of debt other than selling his vehicle as she doesn't drive. I'm not sure how she, how not sure how to go about paying the debt. She receives 1600 a month in social security disability. She's on Medicare and Medicaid, no life insurance or savings. She's now living with my husband and me. She has dementia. Um, I do have her power of attorney. Any advice on how to pay off their debt? This is a bit overwhelming. I need to start somewhere. Interesting. There could be the chase case here that the debt may have died with your mother-in-law. If there are no co-signers on these debts, they're usually erased, which is something I actually didn't even know. Um, so to, for people that are listening out there, obviously, um, if there's no co-signers, the debt's are usually erased. Please do not fake your own death, people out there. If your sister was not listed on these joint bank account or credit accounts or personal loans for his vehicle, she's likely not responsible for the debt. Notify the financial institutions of your brother-in-law's death, of course. 
Um, but in general, you know, there's could be exceptions for this, but in general, debt incurred during marriage is deemed community and response uh, community responsibility. That is, both spouses are liable. But according to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, in most cases, you will not be responsible to pay off your deceased spouse debt. As a general rule, no one else is obligated to pay the debt of a person who has died. There are some exceptions, and it could vary by states. So that's something to know. Hopefully, it eases the person's mind a little bit um, and thinking that you do not have to worry. Maybe you can just look into it and make sure that you're not responsible. Contact the financial institutions to put yourself in the clear and to ease your mental well, that's it, folks. We had an exciting, exciting day with a lot of news and mergers and acquisitions. Uh, question of the week, of course, always fun. So please, please tune in next week and we'll talk then.